you think that you published a book Said it's not a big deal, all you need is a hook Then you lie about your age so you don't seem dated A call from your agent and boom, you made it So sorry we think you're a liar, we're older and wiser Hello everyone and welcome to Older and Wiser A podcast about all things publishing and younger I'm your host, Marissa Cantor, and with me, as always, is Kelsey Rodkey. Hey, Kelsey. How's it going? Hi, Marissa. I'm great. How are you? Oh, you know, just another week. <laughs> it feels that way sometimes. <laughs> it's <laughs> barely. I feel like um, time is going so fast and so slow at the same time, but uh, yeah. we're still here. Weeks are happening. I feel like every time we start the podcast, we're always like, great. And it's like... <laughs> It's that kind of like, I hope this email finds you well vibe. Except like... the email is finding us unwell, <laughs> but we're just, we're just getting through it. <laughs> Definitely. So to cope, I have been, I just reread a favorite book of mine. I listened to Daisy Jones and the Six on audio. I know I need to. Oh God, I just Kelsey. haven't. <laughs> and, and it's weird because I am... I am looking for an audiobook right now, so maybe I'll just take the plunge. It is so good. It honestly might ruin audiobooks for you. That's how good it is. It's that full okay. cast. <laughs> oh. The style of the book is it's an oral history. So it's when you read it, you can tell it's sort of meant to be listened to, even when you're just reading the book. Because I read it as a book the first time I read it. And it was it blew me away. It was easily the best book I read the year it came out. And I hadn't listened to the audiobook until, yeah, last week. You always worry with a reread that you're not going to love it as much as you did the first time. At least I do. I'm like, is it, is it going to hold up? Or was it like all the hype surrounding it at the time? But it held up. And I highly recommend it. Well, that's good. Um, have you read her other book? Uh, the Seven Evelyn Husbands. Of- yeah. Yes. Yes. I read that one first. Do you think I should read that one first? Like, is Daisy better than that one? Should I start <laughs> with the one you deem not as good? Oh, they're both so good in different yeah, ways. But... I don't, I don't know. <laughs> okay, it's hard for fair. me. It's hard for me to choose. Um, yeah. And then I, after Daisy Jones, I bought all of her backlist. Um, Taylor mm-hmm. Jenkins read the author, and I haven't read it yet. But her backlist is very different. It's more straight contemporary women's fiction, um, whereas Evelyn Hugo and Daisy Jones is historical. Yeah, I noticed that um, kind of turn in her career lately. But I mean, I'd heard of her before, but it wasn't until Evelyn Hugo that, you know, everyone was like, you need to read this. But um, there's always that fear that you read a recent book by an author that's like so good, you buy their other stuff, and then it just isn't quite there yet. You'd say at least Evelyn Hugo is equal to Daisy. Yeah, I would say so. That's acceptable. (laughs) What about you? What has been keeping you entertained lately? I'm very slowly getting through They Never Learn by uh, Lane Fargo. It is so good. (laughs) It's like one of uh, the best opening chapters I think I've ever read in a book. If you liked the movie Promising Young Woman, you would probably like They Never Learn. It's about um, a woman who works as a professor on a college campus. And once a year, she picks a man to kill. (laughs) Incredible. Yeah, it's kind of a, a really dark, fun 
story, uh, the opening chapter, it's not really a spoiler. It doesn't have much to do with the story is her uh, killing a frat boy who had participated in a uh, group assault. And it's just so satisfying. And the voice is great. So um, I highly recommend it so far. Well, have you been reading it or listening to the audiobook? I, I have it in hardcover, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm reading it. And that's why it's kind of taking a little longer. It's easier to get through audiobooks lately. But then I kind of ran out of doc. Yeah. <laughs> I had I had a couple that I wanted to get through and then I did. And then I didn't really know what I wanted to listen to. Um, I still felt like I wanted to read something darker, uh, thriller-esque. And so I just decided to read this book hard copy, even though it means it's going to take a long time to get through it. Nice. I love Lane and I love, I, I just love the feminist thriller, just like kill bad men energy yes that radiates from her books it's fun it's empowering (laughs) have you seen her putting her her bad reviews online yes Uh, it's incredible so good (laughs) that's author goals right there is to be able to be like this is a bad review of my book and it's gonna be the reason you want to buy my book (laughs) love that energy yeah it's perfect speaking of reviews of books (laughs) (laughs) wow did goodreads make its first appearance in this episode oh man i texted you as soon as i realized what this episode was (laughs) we just could both like mentally prepare like oh it's that episode this one stood with me like throughout every season that i watched it's one that i always remember because it's ridiculous in so many different layers it's just oh i can't wait let's Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, let's jump in. So today we are going to be discussing Younger Season 1, Episode 9, I'm With Stupid. In this episode, Liza returns to her New Jersey book club hoping to incite interest in an unpublished author she discovered at work. Meanwhile, Josh freezes Liza out when she insults his intelligence. Yeah, I don't know. This is a big old bad. (laughs) Just like all of it bad. This was a pretty good episode in terms of relationships and publishing. Like you have all this nonsense with Josh and then you have all of that nonsense with publishing. It's very entertaining. And honestly, when I got to the end, I was like, wait, (laughs) there needs to be more. (laughs) Yeah. How did you feel um, watching this recently again? I just it's hilarious to me. I think. My critique section, I have in caps all of it, like the entire episode. I didn't even bother with a critique section because it's just all. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) It's so funny, too, because I've mentioned that I've been watching this with my mom. Um, So she's like asking me while we're watching it, like, is the slush pile real? Like, is? And I'm like, like, is this a thing? And I'm like, not in the way that it is being portrayed, mother. (laughs) Yeah, this is is a slush pile of like the 1990s, maybe? (laughs) Yeah, just like stacks of bound manuscripts in a pile. Unagented also. Yeah. Let's talk about the relationships first so that we can then okay. unpack all of the publishing stuff. Yes. Because that is definitely going to take up uh, more time. Yes. Thank <laughs> you. Let's let's stay on track. This episode, basically a relationship in a nutshell, is it is a big Josh episode It's all about how he doesn't read and therefore he is not up to Liza's standards. 
intelligence wise like the implication i don't think it even bothered her until the girl from dodgeball said what he's as dumb as a box of hair or something even mean (laughs) that doesn't even make sense i don't know (laughs) but yeah she seemed like kind of okay with it until that point not to call sam out but does sam read not really i mean he's a tv guy and it takes a lot for a book to get his attention. What about Dylan? Yeah, no, he <laughs> he has a few books that he has read, but oh God, I I don't know. He hasn't read a book in years, probably like one that wasn't like for education purposes. So <laughs> I was kind of like offended on behalf <laughs> of people that have partners who don't really read that she would take it so personally that he doesn't read. Like, that says way more about her than it does about Josh. Definitely. And I feel like this has come up. I've seen Twitter discourse about this, too, about, like, if you don't have a partner who, like, reads your work, then they're not supportive. Um, Yeah. No, thank you. Dylan is not allowed to read (laughs) my work. (laughs) Sam is only allowed to read it when it's in physical form. And I know as soon as, like, Ark show up. Like, with what I like about you, he read it the day Arcs arrived, which was really sweet. And he'll do the that same thing. That is very thing. sweet. Um, I told Dylan he could read the book if he bought it. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, I mean, that sounds worse than it is. He wants to read it aloud in front of me. Oh, and I boy. said he couldn't do it unless he bought it. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. As if you're not but... about to get a giant box of too many copies. Yeah. <laughs> He's not allowed to touch him. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I personally like having distinct interests from my partner. It it helps with alone time, especially during the pandemic. Yeah. (laughs) Like he can be doing his thing and I can be be doing mine. And we don't feel like we're in each other's face all the time. Exactly. And also it gives you things to talk about. Like he's constantly telling me stuff about computers and i'm trying constantly to talk about publishing (laughs) (laughs) so i mean it's it's interesting and i like finding the weird little similarities between what he likes and what i like definitely i'm like you can go you know scream at your xbox get your get get your stuff out (laughs) i will go read a book so yeah i mean the coral and the correlation between reading and intelligence also just has a lot of like icky Mm-hmm. implications and insinuations that yeah. made me. Yeah, and it's really classist. Yeah. I mean, the reason Josh didn't go to college isn't really like um, a matter of financial problems. It was he didn't want to. He didn't like it. And then to have like Liza say, well, that's okay. You can self-educate with books. Like oh. he doesn't want to. He's happy how he is. Leave him alone, Liza. I mean, she was just so unnecessarily mean to him in this episode. She really was. And I mean, she she admits it and owns it that she went full. Yeah. She went full mom here. <laughs> um, yeah, that felt very much like a mother telling her son he needs to go to college. <laughs> You can't just backpack around the world, Joshua. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have an education. I did like the part in the bar after that box of hairline where she's imagining him going, ice, ices. She just yells, it's a collective noun. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. (sighs) But yeah, this this dodgeball lady, Jen, really puts it in Liza's head. 
that Josh is dumb. Yeah, and if it was if that was done so easily, like who like, are you? Like who is this brilliant? <laughs> I mean, Liza had to have had something happening underneath the surface that she was so easily swayed by what Jen said. (laughs) And then meanwhile, of course, we also get that opening scene where she is, she runs into, or Charles runs into her at the cafe and they connect, you know, because because they 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 read and therefore they have so much in common. Yeah, Um, it was a it was a barfy moment to be honest. You should try your hand at like, the slush pile. Yeah, and she's a marketing assistant. No, she's not even a marketing assistant. She's the assistant to the director of marketing. Yeah. So, like, why would she do anything with the slush pile? Why aren't the editors handling the slush pile? It just makes no sense. His humor in that scene, Charles, <laughs> felt very much like a dad to a daughter, which creeped yeah. me out more. <laughs> he was like, don't tell them about the French toaster. I'll have to kill you. Yeah. Like, okay. Oh, stop. Have you ever gone out to breakfast before 9 a.m. before work? Oh, my God. Absolutely not. That is. There's no time. Especially coming, like, again, that Williamsburg to Midtown commute yes. is brutal. <laughs> Like, what time does she get up at? Yeah, I mean, that is easily like 45 minutes on a good day. Mm-hmm. So it's ridiculous. Good for her. I was more the, you know, run up to my desk, punch in, and then maybe go grab a coffee once I'm already clocked in. That was my that was my <laughs> speed. <laughs> yeah, that's that sounds about right. That's what I would be expecting from you know, a 26-year-old who is coming the way from Brooklyn. She also said she found it because she got off at the wrong stop. So how far away is it from what is yeah, what is maybe, happening? Maybe a block. Yeah, I know, because it would be way more than that. I have no clue. Maybe she got off at the wrong stop and she was walking to the office and she passed it. But in that case, she would have been late Yes, <laughs> the first time. <laughs> so I don't know. So yeah, it was a very josh heavy episode i would say i mean there's not a whole lot with kelsey like the swede Mm -hmm. is just over he doesn't exist anymore there's no absolutely no like we we talked last week last week about would there be any consequences or aftermath or anything because we didn't remember and we didn't remember because it doesn't exist Yeah, at least not in this episode, but I forgot about it up until just now. Like, yeah, what happened? She she walked out. We never even got to see her walk out. It was a very abrupt ending, kind of like the ending of this episode, but we can talk about that more when we get there. Charles mentioned the slush pile. Yes. Which Liza should not be going through. No. But it's there, and apparently there is one slush pile for the whole publisher and it's in Kelsey's office. She's the only editor. <laughs> <laughs> how did they how did they get books out if she's the only editor and she's just been promoted to junior editor? Who was doing it before her? I don't understand. What happened to them? It is truly nonsensical. It is. One of my notes is just hating on the slush pile is ridiculous. <laughs> because 95% of books come from this metaphorical slush pile do you think that they're just considering the slush pile in the show to be non-agented submissions i think so and i think that that rings true maybe like 
25 to 30 years ago. Um, I think back in the day, publishers would accept unsolicited manuscripts and there would be this sort of slush pile energy. And I think it is a thing of the past. So seeing it now is just there's such a disconnect because that is so not how it happens at any big five or even like big five adjacent publisher now. Like nobody accepts unsolicited manuscripts no Um, it it needs to come through your agent in traditional publishing anyways yeah yeah and and why are they printed out yeah why are there (laughs) what like are the authors like binding their own manuscripts and sending them in the mail (laughs) because they all look to be binded like differently yeah so this again it just feels so old like that's not how any of this works. Yeah, like a, a cute little <laughs> let's run to Staples. Let's let's, let's yeah. Get let me book. print out my four hundred page manuscript and bind it, and then send it to one publishing house. I mean, yeah, it's twenty fifteen. They have iPads. They have email. They have we we've seen we've, both. Like yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and even then, um, when Liza decides she needs to have her book club read this book she's like i'll send you a pdf if you have a pdf (laughs) one how where'd you get it and two why aren't you reading that instead of lugging around this big book i really wanted to see her stumble in that like walk and read montage i just wanted to see her like fall down the subway steps (laughs) that's just like not possible (laughs) a good way for for that this is a little bit of a critique. She could have been walking around with this big, stupid printed out <laughs> book, made a misstep. The, <laughs> the book goes flying into a puddle of dirty, gross New York City water. And then she has to use the iPad and PDF <laughs> because I never want to see that big bound book ever again. What a waste of paper. I know. And you're right. If a PDF exists, then that means that that's probably how it was sent to them, which means that's empirical is printing it. Like what? Who printed it out? (laughs) Where are the receipts? (laughs) And honestly, because Kelsey apparently is in charge of the slush pile. She thinks they're all crap. Is she printing out crappy books for no reason? You're wasting paper, Kelsey. What's happening? It's very, it's very questionable. Also Mm -hmm. very questionable is the book that Liza pulls out of the slush pile. (laughs) Yeah, my notes just said, oh my God, Confederate soldier book? (laughs) What What the heck? I I just was, I forgot that it was about that. I tried to write down how Liza was describing it. Her friends called it like, uh... Winter's Bone meets Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Which- yeah, with like a little of uh, the Alchemist. It's like what? <laughs> she and she and Liza's eating it up. She's like, oh yeah, this book club knows what's happening. I'm gonna make a Goodreads page so they can review this book. <laughs> and it's just it, that's yeah. not oh, what okay, it's, so it sounds like. Like it sounds like a war. No, like, what are those comps? It doesn't, it's weird because it like starts off 
the first sentence like in a war but then when she's describing it she's like it's all about the family legacy and it's like what are you talking about (laughs) what legacy what does that mean it sounds like another plotless book yeah a 12 year old boy who saves a confederate soldier with a scarf and that act of humanity shapes the family for generations like what does that mean that means they're like friendly to racists i I do not know. I understand why the suburban moms would eat it up. Oh, for sure. It's 100% a book club book. See, yeah, if I was reading this, uh, reading through this slush pile, as soon as I get to that part, I'm like, eh, throw it in a trash can. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't need that. We don't need to, to fight for this to be published. Also, who is Liza? Like, she hasn't spoken to the author. She hasn't spoken to anyone at Empirical to try and get it published. She has a, a best friend there named Kelsey, who's an editor who could make an offer on the book, but instead she goes on to Goodreads, makes a book page so that people can review it. And that's supposed to convince Empirical to buy the book. Marissa, is that how your book was sold? Yeah, that that's how it works, Kelsey. Oh, I think I did it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have control over my Goodreads page until there were pre-order links. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yeah the whole thing with goodreads is insane to me i would be so angry if i was an author seeking a book deal and i found my book on goodreads and random people have read it i haven't been compensated i haven't been contacted the the publisher might not even publish it yeah and no which goodreads librarian added that book <laughs> <laughs> no it's so true it's like wild to me that that is Liza's idea and she thinks it's a good idea and nobody nobody reprimands her for that or says you can't distribute a manuscript I it's just like she fully uh, just gave a manuscript a manuscript to her friends without the author's consent yeah that that book is like has a copyright to the author at that point and Liza came from editorial back in the day. Like, she should know better. <laughs> like, yes. Like, you've worked in publishing before. How does she not know what a slush pile was? 15 years ago, that would have been what, uh, 2000. So, 2000, they would have, that would been, have been having the height of the slush pile. <sighs> yeah. I feel like they forget that she has <laughs> experience in publishing, supposedly. I thought it was interesting, the commentary about um, like book clubs and the influence of suburban moms and book clubs in publishing. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of weird how you can a book can feel like a book club. Book. Yeah. The thing that's interesting is Kelsey calling it like grassroots. This all happens at a very grassroots like word of mouth blogs and suburban mom book club level. But Book clubs are extremely curated and like being selected for a book club makes the book. It's not it's flipped is basically what yeah. I'm trying to say. And and what Kelsey's saying is is a very like marketing approach, but it's also an approach that happens after the book has been purchased. Like right. you don't get people to read the book and then a publisher buys it. It's just everything is backwards. And at the same time Kelsey was like insulting the moms that were like reading 50 shades of gray or whatever and then she was also then praising the moms for having book clubs i don't yeah, know what are you what are together, you saying Kelsey. what is your like she's a mess still <laughs> she she contradicts herself all the time 
Yeah. If you can get and... the housewives, you can make the bestseller list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not true. You're usually already a bestseller. <laughs> yes. That's how the housewives hear about your book. Exactly. But I, I mean, I appreciate the sentiment, even if it's wrong. <laughs> okay, now we have to talk about the the book club, right? We have to talk <laughs> about the book club. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate, uh, I think her name was Lori, just showing up for the drinks. She's like, oh, no, I don't I don't read. I haven't read a book in years. I'm just here for the drinks. Yeah, and shout out to, oh, my gosh, Donna Lynn Champlin. She is just so funny. I love her. Yes, shout out. I was like, oh, my God, I'm watching um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend right now with Sam. Oh, um, yeah. We're in the final. We just started the final season because um, I, um, I originally got through the first two and a half when it was airing. And then he quit after Greg left. Pretty much. <laughs> I wanted to. I didn't, though. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kept holding out hope he was going to come back. And then he's going. We haven't gotten there yet, but I know he comes back as Skylar Aston, and it's going to be, like, so weird. It's, okay, completely unrelated to Younger. I'm sorry. It works brilliantly. I'll tell you that. I was very upset that it <laughs> it wasn't um, Santino, but Skylar does it. It's so bizarre because it really does feel like Greg. I'm excited yeah, to I see. Loved the, I, I loved the reintroduction. And I know it happens like everybody, like she's the only one who thinks he's a different person, right? And like everybody else is like, what are you talking about? It's Greg. <laughs> it's It works so oh. perfectly and it has such like a metaphorical meaning behind it also. It, I thought I was going to hate it. I loved it. I'm so, so I'm excited. excited to hear your thoughts. Can't <laughs> wait. But yeah, shout out to Paula slash Donna. Yes, I love Paula. For an excellent cameo in this episode. I love how they just all assume that like Liza ran away to Brooklyn and became a lesbian. Just because, <laughs> just she's, because living she's living with a living lesbian. With that is so like suburban white mom of them. <laughs> Absolutely. And they're like, oh, yeah, I watch Ellen every day. So the woman who said that looks like she was dressing like Ellen. Yes. Yeah. So this book club, Liza wants to start off by asking them, you know, did you guys like it? And there's this weird hesitation before any of them say anything. And it seems like they're going to say they hated it. And I I think that was intentional. Um, But then they all said they loved it. And I didn't buy it. (laughs) Until they started talking about like the comps for it. But it felt really, it felt false. Yeah, it felt very like we are just going to validate our friend because this is what she needs. Yeah, but then the Goodreads campaign really just kicks off. I would be furious. I feel like that's a lawsuit almost, right? Like that's something. Yeah, it has to be. I'm sure it is. And then that there was even a cover for it. Did you see that like shitty cover? Yeah, it cover? was just like a stock <laughs> like a... photo of a scarf. <laughs> the scarf. And like, I mean, we, you know, before we were authors, we were also readers and bloggers and reviewers ourselves. And I have never seen a book take off because of Goodreads reviews. No, as authors and as readers, we kind of get it in our head that Goodreads means everything when it really doesn't. So, I mean, for that to happen on this show, like, we know it's definitely not real. Yeah. <laughs> like, your Goodreads score doesn't mean much. 
the only people that could have reviewed that book are the people in the book club. Yeah, and who are they? Are they these big Goodreads influencers? Like, do they have (laughs) – It's true. (laughs) This, like, Goodreads clout. Are they booktubers? (laughs) Book talk. Book talk. Oh, they're definitely on book talk. (laughs) Yeah, I – it just doesn't make sense. The the way they integrated Goodreads into this episode, they didn't really explain what it was for, like, the casual viewer – And I would have liked it to be explained so that we could understand why Liza thought this was a great idea. Why does she never at any point go to someone at the publishing house (laughs) and say, hey, this book's great. Let's let's look into it more. Like, why was that her plan? Goodreads. It's where the readers are. (laughs) I mean, it's so funny, right? Because Goodreads, like you said, we really build it up to be this big thing but it's actually super it's it's fairly niche right like you're the general population is not on goodreads and probably has not even heard of goodreads so yeah it's like i don't know this would feel a little bit more plausible to me if say her friend started like tweeting about it and like a tweet went viral or something i mean it would still be far-fetched but yeah, but it would be it, – it would spread, you know? There's really not any spreading on Goodreads. Like you said, it's very niche. Everyone there is already reading books, already reviewing books. It can't go anywhere besides Goodreads. Yeah, and it made it seem like all of these people were now commenting under the page, like, we need this book. Like, Yeah, based off what? The reviews that said it was the Sisterhood <laughs> of the Traveling Pants? <laughs> meets winter's bone yeah i don't a for effort liza but i hate that you somehow get a win from this (laughs) in the future episodes because it's not a good plan and it doesn't make sense it's not a good plan it's not a good book like this is the first time we get (laughs) a sense of who liza could be as an editor um and what her her preferences and taste is and it's it is not a good first impression no i didn't even think about that but it's like she's the problematic editor that you're like telling your agent no i don't don't submit to her yeah. okay <laughs> she puts out those problematic books uh the confederacy that's the one yeah and and i hate that the show was even like leaning into that like she's reading Tolstoy at the beginning and then she has this historical book that she thinks is so great and brilliant and it's just like it's doing that thing where the storytelling is kind of negating all of the greatness that is in other genres you know Mm -hmm. kind of like how people criticize romance books and things like that it's just coming off very one note and pretentious kind of yeah she wants literature and yes literature only (laughs) yes she's a an editor for literary books yes maybe some women's fiction (laughs) maybe but although that's probably more up kelsey's street she's got (laughs) marriage vacation eventually oh no that's liza that is liza so she does do a little bit of women's fiction (laughs) yeah i mean i feel like we kind of smushed our our publishing and critique together because everything about publishing was wrong. Was <laughs> wrong. I feel like we didn't talk about Diana at all in this episode. And I just wanted to shout her out 
and her great. When you're done with the slush pile, you can read my junk mail. Always, she's always here for us. <laughs> more, more shade <laughs> to the slush pile. Yeah, my only note about Diana was like, why isn't she pissed that Liza's doing that instead of her job? job? Yeah, that's this is another instance of like all of the departments bleeding into each other. Definitely, where it's like, oh, she's an assistant. Of course, she's reading the slush pile. Like, never mind that Charles, the publisher, told her to do it. Like, that's not even brought up. No, <laughs> it's just like not at all. Of course, she would read the slush pile. And also unrelated, but shout out to Josh for pronouncing gnocchi with a G. So adorable. <laughs> I feel like that is <laughs> so relatable. And the fact that he's like, why did no one ever tell me? <laughs> like, <laughs> why didn't anyone ever tell him? Is it because half of America doesn't no know how to pronounce it? <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, he's he's very good in this episode. I'm just scrolling one more time, but I think that that's all I have. I only have one note, and it's that they fat shamed Donnie before dodgeball, and I hated it. <laughs> it's this one guy comes up. He's a little bigger, and Liza says, oh, well, he, if he can play, then I can play. <laughs> and, and it turns out to be really intense, so obviously, like, it flips it on its head a little, but, like, we didn't need that. No, I hated that, and then I hated when Josh – um, had his big like moment of telling Liza about, you know, all the things he likes and what he finds interesting in the world. And he says that he'd rather travel the world than read about it in a book. I didn't like that he shamed readers there, but the rest of it was really good. Yeah, those are good notes. Those are yeah, th- that'd be my critique. I feel like this show punch, just punch up just loves to throw in a casual. Like there's always like you know casual notes of like fat phobia or transphobia or like. All of this very like, and of course the ageism, like it's very, it's good at what it does, but it's from a very like white feminist standpoint. Yeah. That was another thought I had today is just like, oh, we get this character, Jen. I believe she's an Asian woman. We get her for one episode. She has like three lines and she's mean in them. (laughs) And then she just like never shows up again. Um tragic yeah it's just all very white cis hetero like even just like the the vibe of like you're a lesbian now because you are friends with a lesbian was yeah homophobic (laughs) yeah it has its it has its problems yeah that would be what i would uh fix and now we um have come to the part of the podcast where i remember that i forgot to pick someone for the six-figure deal (laughs) So um, if you want to go, I'm going to be thinking. Sure. I think that for me, it is definitely um, Josh's episode to win. I mean, once again, he is just so adorable and charming. And yeah, we could have done without the reader shaming, but he was defending himself. He was That was coming from a defensive place. He's just, that's just not his thing and that's okay. And I just felt bad for him and the insinuation that he was less intelligent than Liza because he wasn't a reader. He stood up for himself and wasn't taking it. Yeah, I agree. I picked Josh as well um, for all the reasons you said. And earlier I, I did say that her insinuating he was not smart for not reading was uh, classist, but also ableist in a way so Mm. not great on that but I I do I really feel like Josh had such an impassioned response to 
her very clear like condescension towards him and and i love that he stood up for himself and for his decisions that he's made i don't think he should apologize or feel bad for what he's done he's a great person i i don't know how you could <laughs> know this person intimately and think any less of them suddenly because you find out they don't read when you know that they're a good person they're kind they're caring it's just <laughs> a little bit nonsensical to me but um yeah so i give it to josh cool josh times two good episode it's always a good episode Did josh, josh just get a seven figure deal <laughs> <laughs> oh my god he never has to go back to college he's all no. set he's all set he can open up his tattoo shop it's perfect cool so that is a wrap on our chat about season one episode nine I'm with stupid. I really don't even like that that's the title of the episode. Oh, and the whole like joke at the end about how he they're walking through Dumbo and he's like, this is my favorite neighborhood. It's called Dumbo. Uh, yeah, this episode was a lot in a lot of different ways. Like, what was that? And also, like, I'm with you, Josh. Like, Dumbo is a beautiful and <laughs> it stands for down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. It is an I acronym. actually didn't know yeah. that. That's adorable. Yeah, I've always heard good things <laughs> about <is> Dumbo. Beautiful. <laughs> and like the way that they just like wanted to leave on that dig at his intelligence joke. Yeah. Like, and like and he's in on it now. Like, like it's fine. It's fine that she treated him like that. No. It is not okay. It's not. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a wrap on that, that one. That's a wrap. As always, we will end with a podcast recommendation. And I think it's on you this week, Kelsey. What are you listening to? At the time of recording this, they are on a hiatus. But that just means you have tons of time to catch up for when they're back on a regular schedule. The podcast is called Celebrity Book Club. It is hosted by Clarabelle A. Ortega and Ryan LaSala. And it is probably one of the funniest podcasts I've ever listened to. Um, these two authors recap Tyra Banks' <laughs> Tyra Banks' young adult novel, Model Land. Um, each episode is about a chapter. Sometimes it's two. And they hold nothing back. They take the story beat by beat and break it down. They critique it. They make jokes. It's just so entertaining to listen to. And it also saves you from having to read the book yourself. If you've ever been morbidly curious and want to read it, just listen to this podcast. It's brilliant. And when they are on a normal uh, schedule, they come out every Friday. So check that out. Yes, I am so obsessed with the premise of taking a celebrity young adult novel and picking it apart because that was such an era of time. I think all like and I remember it quite vividly when I was a teenager. I felt like every every couple months there was another one and I really hope that one day they do Hillary Duff's young adult novel Elixir. <laughs> Yes, and honestly, it Please. it really was a a strange time. <laughs> Everybody was putting out like dystopian books. Yeah. Kendall and Kylie Jenner had one that that was ghost written for them. Yes. <laughs> it was just it was a time. I believe and all I look of them were ghost written. 
Oh, I'm <laughs> I'm sure. Lauren. Actually, I think I think Tyra Banks wrote hers. <laughs> the it sounds like Tyra Banks wrote hers. And you know what? No shade to her. It's very entertaining to hear. So yeah. And didn't it hit the New York Times bestseller list for a week? I think I think it did. I think it hit once and then it was never heard of again. <laughs> you can't even really buy copies of it, um, which is strange. But uh yeah, I, I just highly recommend this podcast. I can't wait to see what other books they do, but mostly I can't wait to see what's going to happen in modeling. Now we are closing the book on this episode of Older and Wiser. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at OlderWiserCast. I'm at Marissa Cantor on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Kelsey Rodkey on Twitter and at KRodK on Instagram. We'll see you next Wednesday to continue our discussion of all things publishing on Younger. The end. The end.